That's good. That's good. Let's all stand tonight. Revelation chapter 8 for a few moments tonight. Revelation chapter number 8. And uh, that little phrase in that song, to catch a gleam of glory bright. That's what Brother Laddie was talking about when he was talking about the Lord showing up at the business the other day. He called a gleam of that glory bright. Amen. And uh, I tell you, the Christian life is the best, next best thing to going to heaven, friend. And uh, I trust you know him tonight. Revelation chapter 8 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Father, I pray tonight that you'll give us liberty. I ask you, Lord, to help us tonight. God, I pray the Holy Ghost would speak to our heart tonight. May the preaching of your word go forth like a hammer. God, may we receive with meekness the engrafted word. And I pray that we will do business with you tonight. Give us liberty now. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach just a few minutes tonight, a simple message, a short message, uh, concerning out of verse number 3 and verse number 4, you find the phrase two different times, the prayers of the saints. And I want to preach tonight on the prayers of the saints. When you come to chapter number 8 here, the seventh seal we see in verse number 1, but the seventh seal is not only the, uh, the only thing that's in verse number 1, there is silence, the Bible says, in heaven, for the space of half an hour. This is a calm before the storm. What's happening here is that the seventh seal will open up seven trumpets and God's judgment is about to intensify for the great tribulation. The, the time of God's wrath is about to be poured out and all of heaven is silenced because of the great and terrible judgment that's about to come. The Bible says that it was for the space of half an hour. In verse number two, there is the seven angels and in verse number three, there's the supper of the saints, the smoke on the altar in verse number four and then the sounds in verse number five as the Bible said that the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth and there was voices and thundering and lightning and, and an earthquake. All of these sounds are is a picture, it is a preparation of God's judgment that is about to come. When we come to verse number six here, uh, we find here the seven trumpets as the Bible said that seven angels or the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Now, whenever they would sound a trumpet in Bible days, you I'm sure that you know this, but there were several reasons that they would sound a trumpet. One would be to gather the people together. One would be to march the people forth into battle. Another sound would be a sound of warning that would go forth. And then there would be the sound of a trumpet on a coronation day, a time of celebration. What we see here, the sound of this trumpet that is about to take, these trumpets that's about to take place, we know that 
that there's going to be a sound of judgment. We know that God's wrath is about to be poured out. But I don't want us to miss what's in verse number three and four. It seems to be the center point of everything that is happening in heaven and what's about to happen on earth. And it is the prayers of the saints. When we come to that subject tonight, the prayers of these saints in chapter number eight is what we found in chapter number six. Those saints that were under the altar and they were praying for God's vengeance upon this earth. They were praying that God would pour out his wrath upon those that have martyred his people and have taken the lives of them. And I want to stop and say this tonight. The Bible said in Galatians chapter number five and verse number nine or verse number six, it says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth of that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall the flesh reap corruption and he that soweth to the spirit shall the spirit reap life everlasting. There's one thing we ought to note tonight in the pages of God's word and that is, friend, that God is a God of judgment and whatsoever a man sows in this life, he's gonna reap it in this life, amen? And so we see that in this text here that God said in chapter six, uh, he said you're gonna have to wait uh, because uh, your fellow brethren have not been martyred, they have not died, but once that has taken place, uh, he said those prayers uh, are going to be answered. And when I think about the prayers of the saints tonight, that God would even answer the prayers of the saints uh, during the tribulation period. If God would hear their prayers and answer their prayers in the midst of tribulation, my friend, don't you think God would hear and answer our prayers tonight? I'm telling you, if there's anything that the devil wants you and I to believe tonight, he wants us to believe that God is not interested in answering prayer in our life, amen? I wanna stop and say this tonight. The word of God said that his eyes are over the righteous in First Peter chapter one and his ears are open unto our prayers. In Jeremiah 33 and verse three, he said, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not of. In First John five and verse number 14, he said, and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. In Psalm 65, in verse number two. David said, O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. I'm here to tell you tonight, God hears uh, and he answers prayer. When Paul was praying for the church of Ephesus in chapter three and verse number 20, he closed that prayer by saying this. Uh, he said, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or that we think according to the power that worketh in us. Just as sure as God answered their prayers, uh, God is willing and wanting to answer Answer our prayers tonight. I want to say something about prayer. Charles Finley had it right when he made this statement, a little booklet I read on prevailing prayer. He made this statement. I never saw it before until Finley, Finley had put, pinned it down in that little pamphlet about prayer. He made this statement. He said God's goal in prayer is not that you and I would have our will to be done, but that we would have God's will. He said, and when a Christian really learns how to pray, is when they learn to stop praying their will and start praying God's will. I want to say tonight, there's prayers that I want to see God answer.
There's things that I'm asking for. There is burdens. There is needs just as everybody else has tonight. There's things on that list that looks possible and things that look impossible. But uh, tonight as I look that list over and I consider that tonight, I would have to say this, that dear God, would you lead me? Would you guide me? And even in the midst of each one of those prayers, uh, I don't want it to be my will, but I want it to be thy will to be done. I think a lot of times the reason we don't see prayers answered is because we're trying to manipulate manipulate God to do something in our direction, in our way. It's just a whole lot easier to quit trying to manipulate, because you're not going to manipulate God. Amen? It's just a whole lot easier uh, to lay it out before him and say, now Lord, this is what I'm asking you to do, but nevertheless thy will be done. Either way, that prayer's going to be answered for you. It'll either be the way that I prayed it or the way that God willed it. Amen? And if it's the way that I prayed it, then I know it's the way that God willed it. But if he chooses to go in a different direction, that his ways are better than my ways. His will is better than my will. I'm talking about, my friend, the prayers of the saints. My friend is the lifeline of every church and every believer tonight. I want to ask you this question. Are you a praying Christian? I'm not here tonight trying to convince you that I have all my praying done or that I'm an authority on prayer by no means. But if I've ever in all my life felt the responsibility, the need, and seen the desire to pray is the hour we're living in. If America has revival, if our churches have revival, if we see people saved, if the work of God continues on, it will only continue on through prayer. You and I do not have the ability, the personality, the money. We don't have the machinery. We don't have the manpower. We don't have the administrative skills. We don't have anything tonight to make the work of God goes on. I tell you, when I thought I was standing here this morning, not that there was anything bad or anything negative. We have a great service this morning, but I was just standing here this morning and literally the thought crossed my mind as I was about to get up and preach uh, that our church like every other church tonight is just hanging by a thread. Do you realize that? I'm telling you I thank God for this church. Uh, it looks strong and it is strong. Uh, it's strong because of God. Amen. But I want to tell you tonight this church uh, and every other church my friend that's standing for the truth in 2019 we're just hanging by a thread. Uh, it'll take the prayers of God's people if we continue on and go on for the glory and the honor of God. What we've had, if we keep, will be determined on how much we pray. And that scares me. When I see a generation, and I'm not fussing, I'm just talking, I'm just preaching. But I see a generation that's so uncommitted in so many other areas. It would never convince me that they're committed in prayer. You'll never convince me someone that drags in at 10.30 on Sunday morning, still got the sleep in their eyes, can't get to Sunday school on time. I'm not talking about, I was almost running late myself this morning, but I drove like a maniac to get here and got here one minute before church because I didn't want to be late because I'm the pastor. <laughs> but everything was going wrong this morning. But I'm, talking, I'm not talking about that exception. I'm talking about if you drag in late every Sunday for Sunday school, I promise you your prayer life's not where it ought to be at. I'm not fussing, I'm just telling you the truth. So a preacher, that makes me mad. Well, at least I push something, some button of emotion. I just come to the place, I don't want to make people mad, but I'd rather them be mad as numb. Somebody say amen. Isn't that right? 
At least if they're mad, they'll go home and think about what I said. They might think about it two or three days. And maybe God will do something in their life. I've I, I, I been reading, the, started it today, matter of fact, reading the uh, uh, autobiography of, uh, I'll get it here, of, of Pray and Hide. And I've read several books by Hyde, but never read his autobiography. And I was reading it today, and, and Hyde said he got on a, on a ship to go to India, and one of his best friends uh, wrote him a letter, gave it to him to read on that ship, and said when he opened that letter, and I had been preaching, for some time, he read in that letter and that, that friend of his said, uh, called him and said, John, he said, I am praying that you will be filled with the Holy Ghost. And Hyde said he got mad when he read that statement. He said, how dare him think I'm not even filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, but after I got mad, he said, I thought about it. He said, and it drove me to my knees, humbled me, knocked the pride out of me. And praying Hyde said that then God began to work in his life about prayer. What I'm saying to us tonight is this, is that more than anything in this world, we have to be committed to prayer. I'm not telling you again that everything is the way I want it to be, but I'm telling you, friend, there's got to be a desire. There's got to be a goal. There's got to be some set time. You've got to have, listen, you've got to make time for prayer. If it's just any time or some time or if I can work it in somewhere, as I promise you, it's not gonna happen. You're always gonna be up and down, in and out, discouraged one minute, encouraged the next. I'm gonna tell you what prayer will do. It'll encourage your heart, amen? Prayer will give you strength for the journey. Prayer will pick you up when you're down. Prayer will give you strength to go on. Had that thought crossed my mind this morning I went home and the devil was saying that over and over you know it's just hanging by a thread it's just hanging by a thread and when I got this afternoon I got alone for a little while and started praying for the service you know what God did he said oh it's hanging by a thread but don't let him bother you it's always been hanging by a thread but it's a pretty good thread amen because it's his thread I tell you I never would have got that if I'd have just sat around and listened to the devil all afternoon and I have done that before and I'm telling you thank God there's been a few times amen Amen. Thank God for those times of prayer uh, that encourages uh, and strengthens your heart. Amen. There's three things about these folks tonight in this text. They're in heaven tonight, but I want you to note three things about their prayers. Number one, their persevered prayers, preserved prayers. These prayers have been preserved. They prayed it in chapter six. God kept it in chapter number eight. He took those prayers in chapter number eight and he answered what they prayed in chapter six. Just because God has not acted on your prayer today does not mean God has not heard your prayer. Just because you're praying and seeing nothing does not mean that God's not doing anything. You remember Daniel prayed for 21 days and it looked like nothing was happening, but all of heaven was pulling and fighting in his direction. While he was fasting and praying for 21 days, there was no answer from heaven, but the king of Persia was withstanding Gabriel. Michael the archangel was sent in. God sent reinforcement. And thank God heaven always wins, amen, and hell always loses, amen, and prayer always prevails and when Gabriel got to him he gave him the message he said well your prayer he said Daniel was heard the first time he said but the king of Persia withstood me what does that tell me that tells me there's things happening behind the scenes when you and I pray that you and I cannot see heaven is doing something even when it looks like nothing is taking place you say well what is where's them prayers at whenever I pray I'll tell you where they're at they're being preserved amen God in his own time in his own order in his own fashion, in his own will. He is working it together, but he's doing more than what you and I can see him doing. God takes one prayer, works in the life of the prayer, 
the life of the one that's being prayed for and the life of all those that are connected and that are watching. Have you ever watched somebody pray faithfully for something to happen and then see God answer that prayer? Doesn't it build faith in your life? It helped the one they were praying for. It helped the one that was doing the praying and it helped those that were standing by. These prayers are being, they're preserved prayers tonight. I wonder how many prayers God is keeping for us right now. And I think I said this somewhere, maybe at camp, maybe on summer trip, I don't know where I said in the last couple of weeks, but maybe at both. But I think it's worthy of repeating this morning that Mueller said that, I may have said it this morning in Sunday school, Mueller said this, he said that he recorded over 50,000 prayers that God God had answered, if you break that down, that's more than one prayer a day over a period of 60 years that Mueller seen God answer prayer. You say, well, how in the world is that even possible? Mueller asked God for much, so God did much. Amen. What you and I have got to do is believe God. We've got to quit asking God for little lay me down to sweet prayer, asleep prayers, and we've got to believe God for some big things. Isn't that our theme this year? Believe in God for big things. I'm simply saying this for you. We've got to put God to the test. Uh, we've got to prove God. That's what he said for us to do. He is a God that is willing to answer prayers uh, and you don't know tonight and I don't know that the prayers that I've I prayed uh, where God has put them and what they are doing. Amen. You and I could be one prayer away from God doing what we're asking him to do. May I say tonight it is not that God is sitting in heaven wanting to be begged. It is the God is in heaven working in the lives of men through the avenue of prayer. These are preserved prayers. Secondly, I note tonight that they're powerful prayers. These prayers tonight are so powerful. They're prayers of judgment. Now the reason they're prayers of judgment is because the grace dispensation is over with. We ought not pray for God to kill anybody. Can I get an amen right there? The Bible tells us not to pray a sin unto death. We're, we're to know that there is a sin unto death, but we're not to pray it. We're not to go around and say, Lord, that person's not doing right. Kill that person because somebody may be praying that for us, amen? And so I'm glad it doesn't work that way, aren't you? I'm glad God works on his own time. You say, well, I think God ought to kill that person. I promise you, if you think that, there's probably somebody who thinks you ought to be dead, amen? And I know there's people who thinks I ought to be dead, so I'm glad God's in charge of life and not them. But I'm telling you, these are some pretty powerful prayers. They're praying that God's hand of judgment would be on those that reap havoc on the work of God. I will stop and say this tonight. It is a dangerous thing to go against the work of God. It's a dangerous thing to try to hinder what God's doing in his business. I do believe this tonight. I think God brings people in. God moves people out because his work is very important. His will is going to be accomplished. Amen. And I don't want to be on the outs with God. I want to be in his will, don't you? I want to be a part of whatever it is is that God is doing. Now, I don't like to see anybody leave a church. And I don't think people look better going than they do coming. But I will be honest with you tonight. I've seen people who I knew that they were deep in sin, refused to get right. And they were a detriment to the church. It was not my place to ever put them out it's my place to pray for them and preach to them. Yeah. Brother Blake, the day, the day come when I think their space of grace ran out. I think because of the deepness of their sin. And sometimes I've heard people say, 
Well, we're just going to move on. And the Holy Spirit would say, let them go. I don't know what that means, but I know when I feel that, I'm not going after them. I pray for them. I still pray for them, many of them. I don't think everybody that leaves is in that, that situation. But I think there are people that God just gave them what they wanted and let them go their way. You know, tonight if you go to hell, you will go to hell over the prayers of God's people. It's one thing for a man to be in hell that never heard the gospel, never had anybody pray for his soul. But it'd awful be awful to be in hell knowing you had a mom and dad, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, a friend, a brother, a sister, somebody that prayed for you. That'd be awful to go to hell over the prayers of the saints. I think the prayers of God's people is the most powerful thing on earth. Tonight, there are things that I need the Lord to do. There are things that, I'll be honest with you, I cannot do. I have no power. I have no, I, there's nothing I can do about those situations. That, that my hands are as tight, as tight as they can be. But I know that God is able. I think there's going to be things in life that we can't handle. They're too big for us and, and we don't even know where to take them home. But God knows. He's able tonight. And we'll never see God work if we don't pray. There's power. How many of y'all believe there's power in prayer? Say amen tonight. There's power in prayer. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Quit trying to fix it yourself. Quit trying to do things in your own strength and your own power. Quit belly aching and whining and complaining about it and bearing the load of it. Put it, bring it, get on your knees and give it to God. And if you really give it to God, I'll tell you how to know if you really give it to God, you'll be able to get up and quit complaining about it and talking about it and whining about it because once you give it to God, it's over with, it's done, it's in his hands and the burden seems lighter when you're not toting it, friend. I told him something one time for two years. Made me sick. Physically made me sick. And it wasn't until I got to the place I said, God, I, I can't, I'm not going to carry this anymore. It's yours. The only thing I wish about that I'd have done different is I'd have gave it to him two years earlier. And laying in bed and worry. And every time the devil bring it up, I say, I'm not worrying about that no more. Every time the devil dangled in front of me, I gave that to God. I, I, whatever it is, it'll be. There was peace in that tonight. I want to tell you, there. you say, maybe you've got a wayward child that's driving you crazy. You've prayed for them. You, you've done everything you know to do and, and they're going deeper. They're going darker. Your heart is heavy. You're broken for them. And I'm, maybe you've already done this, but I would say, listen, the, bur the, the burden will be lifted when you just say, oh God, I can't do anything. I can't help them. But oh God, you can help them. Maybe you've done that and maybe you've not. Maybe you know someone that's lost tonight and you've tried witnessing and I believe we ought to witness to them. You know, sometimes uh, when you've witnessed to people over and over again, Again, sometimes you just have to stop for a while. I know that goes against the grain. But you just have to stop for a while and just pray for them. I had a family member that I just quit witnessing to them. And one day at a Christmas dinner, they came to me and they said, do you not love us anymore? And I said, sure I do. I said, why would you even think that? I said, you don't never mention anything to us about church. I said, you don't ever act like you're interested. I said, I've talked to you many times and you shut me down. But you know what God did through that? He opened up a conversation I couldn't have before. We're able to witness and talk to him. The power of prayer this morning, or this evening. 
asking God. This I want to challenge every member. I'll challenge every person tonight in this building. Please, I beg you, don't go home and forget this sermon. Don't go home and sit down and watch two hours of television tonight. Go home, meditate, think about it. Go home and and get you a piece of paper and an ink pen out and write some things down. I'm asking you, I'm begging you to do something. Maybe you already have a list, but I'm asking you to write some things down and give them to God. If you need to come to this altar, by all means come tonight. But I'll tell you more than making a trip to this altar. Please put it in shoe leather and just try God for 30 days. I mean, I know you believe God or you wouldn't be here, but for 30 days, write at least 15 things down that you need God to do. 20 things down and don't just go home and and casually write them down but pray about it and as they come to your mind write them down and pray over it every day several times a day and when God answers it highlight it or check it and just see what God does you say what if it doesn't happen none of those prayers are answered in 30 days I promise you this if not one prayer is answered in 30 days I'll tell you this what will happen something even greater than that your whole life will change your whole prayer life will change your faith Faith in God will change. You won't be able to stop in 30 days. You say, how do you know that? Because there's power in prayer tonight. I preserve prayers. They're powerful prayer. And then I'll close with this. These prayers tonight are performing prayers. Action is being taken in chapter 8 because of the prayers that have been prayed in chapter 6. You see tonight, God moves on his scale. There's one thing about prayer. It always performs. It always prevails. Tonight, the devil would tell you you're wasting your time in prayer. The devil, when you start praying, he'll tell you, now listen, you need to do this, 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 and this. He'll bring things to your mind that you, you know, he'll tell you, oh, listen, you ain't got time to pray. You need to go clean your closet out. Now, how many people in this room cleans their closet out? Less than 10%, I promise you that. But when you go to praying, they'll say, oh man, your closet's terrible. You need to get her and straighten that closet up. Or they'll say, you know, those dishes are dirty. You, you ain't loaded that dishwasher. Or that you gotta get out there and mow that yard. You gotta wash that car. You, you gotta clean that garage. Oh, you, you, you couldn't get up in the morning and pray. You're already getting up so early. You're gonna try to get up 15, 20, 30 minutes early and pray. You can pray on your way to work. And I'm sure there's nothing wrong with praying on your way to work. But you know, Hyde would pray. He literally almost prayed himself to death. He prayed so much. He had such a burden for souls. Hyde prayed so hard and so fervently that his heart physically, you can read about it, his heart physically shifted from the left side of his body to the right side of his body. And not long after he died, he spent hours, weeks, days, in prayer. He stayed in one man's house and he recorded there. He said that he watched Hyde. He said at 12 o'clock that night, the, they'd been in bed, went to bed that night, nine or 10 o'clock, I think it was, but said 12 o'clock that night, said the light come on in Hyde's room. He said he could hear him praying. He said a few minutes later, 30 minutes later, something like that, the light went out. 2.30, he said the light comes on again. He could hear him praying. He said the light went out. 4.30, he said the light came on again. He said it never went out. He was a man of prayer. I'm not telling you you have to pray like Hyde prays. What I'm saying is when I read those stories, I say, oh God, I need to spend more time in prayer. 
I'm going to tell you why we don't see God work today and I am saying we. We're too busy. In this pressure cooker world we live in, we're just too busy. I mean, even in the ministry, brother, I'm telling you, it's night and day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It's the world that we're living in today. And I think the devil's greatest tool in the life of a Christian, the greatest tool he uses against a Christian, what is? It's distractions. It's the burden of being too busy. Oh, he, he wants to fill our calendar. You don't hardly meet anybody no more that don't have a schedule. Do you know that? I'm talking about these kids have got schedules. Everybody's toting iPads and, and, and calendars. and, and every, every, You say it and people say, well, let me check my, I mean, I say it, everybody's, let me check my schedule. I'll tell you what better be in all of our schedule. Time alone with God. I don't pray because I'm spiritual. I pray because I'm weak. And I'm wicked. And I would stray and I would wander from God. I surely would tonight. I would be mechanical. And I have been mechanical. I would stand and preach just dead orthodoxy. Not telling you that every sermon I preach has got the breath of heaven on it. I want it to have it. But I know this tonight. The greatest fear that I have as a preacher. It always has been, Brother Barnes, from the time that God first called me to preach. It's the fear of being left standing right here alone. The fear of getting so used to doing something in the energy of the flesh and not even realize it. I ask you, Sunday school teacher, do you pray for your class? You got a genuine burden for those young people, those middle-aged folks. Are you spiritual? I want to stop and say this tonight. To every Sunday school teacher in this class or in this building tonight, you ought to be the spiritual leader of your class. And the only way you can be a spiritual leader is spend time alone with God. Amen and amen and amen. I'm not preaching something you tonight that I don't feel such a weight on myself tonight. I fail in so many areas. I, you know, if you go anywhere and ask people about my cell phone, it's the worst testimony in the world. I mean that. I've finally just embraced it. Anywhere you go, I can't keep up with stuff. Like, I mean, I can't answer every text. I can't answer every call. I can't, man, emails, I just don't even bother emailing me. <laughs> I can't keep up with all that stuff. I'd be doing it all day long. Are y'all with me? Y'all like that? All day long. I know you are, brother. Leading the choir and, and it's going off sometimes. I finally told my wife one day, I said, you know, I reckon I'll just, that'll be a black eye I'll carry to the grave but I'm not going to give up my time. Not giving up my time. Because if I did, we're done. I'm done. My grandbabies. I want to see them get saved. Amen. It take more than what this church world thinks to have revival. Take more than 
all these things that go on in church. I don't mind any of them, but they're just fluffs all they are. Tell you what it's going to take to keep the church afloat in 2019, what it's always took. It's going to take some people that knows how to ring the bells of heaven. You don't know why this church had a good testimony and God blessed it down through. I'm going to tell you why. We've always had people that knew how to pray. Well, you know, I'll tell you what keeps this church going. It's people that nobody in here probably knows about. But they're up at 4 o'clock, 4.30, 5 o'clock every morning. They're on their knees. I can name you 10 of them tonight. They spend time alone with God. And they pray for the church. They pray for the young people. They pray for the Sunday school. They pray for the pastor. They pray for his family. I'm going to tell you, that's why God blesses this church. You know why the Harvest Time Radio broadcast $5,000 a month, $6,000 a month, came in and a hundred something radio stations around the world was going on every month. You know why that was? Because Brother Stinnett Blue got up every single morning and he spent time alone with God. He's not going to get up. He's not here now, but he would never get up and brag about his prayer life. You know that. He was too humble of a servant of God. But when you got around him, you just knew he was a man of prayer. Isn't that right? You knew he spent time alone with God. Brother Sammy Allen, I've never heard him say one word about anybody. Anybody. Never heard him brag about his prayer life. I've heard him say he's guarded it. That'd be as far as he'd go. But everybody in this room knows why Faith Baptist Camp's been blessed all the years of missionaries, evangelists, pastors, people that's been saved. You know why? Because anybody that knows Brother Sammy Allen, he's a man of prayer. Like him or don't like him, he's a man of prayer. And I love him tonight, don't you? We need some folks like that tonight. Some of you got family going to hell. You got to get a burden for them. You got to get a burden. The only way I know to get a burden is start praying for them. That you start out praying for them and not have a burden. But if you'll just keep praying for them, God will give you a burden for them. If you just keep praying, pray for your church. Don't raise your hand. How many of you pray about? It? Pray for your church. I know some people complain about their church. You know how I know that? Because I've heard a couple plaints over the last two weeks. Or two complaints. I want to tell you something. Don't complain about your church. Can I get an amen? Pray for your church. If you don't like something around here, just get over it. Is that right? Come on now. It ain't invitation time just yet. We're nearing the shore, friend. Get over it. Don't you sit around gripe and complain. And if you're around somebody that gripes and complains, you treat them like they got leprosy, friend. Amen, come on. I'm going to preach about five more minutes on that. Because I heard two things over the last two weeks about drove me nuts. I thought, surely, not at Bible Baptist. Nobody be complaining. Nobody in here be complaining. I know, because you're sitting here. Do you know how serious God takes murmuring? Read the Old Testament, friend. Is that right? You know why we got unity in this church? Because we don't put up with complaining. Amen. If you got a complaint, get behind me because I got a whole bunch of them too. What would you do if I came in this church and all I did was complain? Wonder what God would He'd take me out, friends, what he'd do. Don't complain about your church. Look around, see how blessed you are. Thank God. Thank God you got a church to go to tonight. Thank God you ain't sitting in this building with 20 people here tonight. 
Thank God you, and I'm nothing, I know that, but thank God you ain't doing like a lot of them out there trying to find a pastor. Because I'm going to tell you something, it ain't like it used to be, friends. Well, I know a church took them over a year to find a pastor. They lost 75% of their congregation. I'm talking about a church every bit as good as this one. I'm talking about a church where a man of God labored for almost 50 years. I'm talking about a church that used to run 300 and gave far more to missions than we ever thought about, and she's a shell tonight. You know why? It's hard to find preachers today. It's hard to find them. What I'm saying is tonight, don't complain, pray. Pray for your church. Pray for people tonight as we stand. The power is in prayer. It's in saints who pray tonight. And I know God help me. I need the Lord to help me tonight to remodel my own prayer life. I just don't want to get satisfied with where I'm at. I don't want to get so cynical and so so backslid that I don't even care if I pray. God help us tonight. Lord, help me. I've preached to myself as much as I've preached to y'all. I I hope you don't think I'd fuss by any means. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you to burden my heart. We need some prayer warriors. I know we've got some here. We've got a lot of prayer warriors here. Maybe there's somebody here. You're You're toting a burden and you're just like, Lord, I don't know what to do. Give it to God. Put it on this altar and commit to praying. Commit to trusting God with it tonight. He can help. While Brother David sings, you come.